morning. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Lamentations. Our sermon series, The Story of God During This Year, today brings us to the book of Lamentations. You may remember that on the first Sunday of May, Pastor Brad preached a brilliant message on lament from Psalm 13. And his message gave us an excellent understanding of the purpose and the value and the meaning of personal lament. I encourage you to go back and watch it again. As Brad noted on that day, lament poems in the Bible are found primarily in the Psalms and the Lamentations. And it is of interest to me that we come to the book of Lamentations today on this day, given the events of the last two weeks, and yet we had scheduled Lamentations on this Sunday months ago. And so may it be that God, in God's purpose and wisdom and timing, has a word for us today. Lamentations has three purposes. First, it is a form of protest. It is the voice of the people of God in protest against the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. That tells us more about God than it does about the author, quite frankly. God willing to receive our anguish, our protest, to hear the deepest grief of our souls. Second, the, the, the laments and lamentations are a means to process emotions. I've been processing my emotions throughout this week. The third purpose of lament and lamentations is it's a way and a place to voice confusion. And Lamentations does all three through a five, through a set of five poems that are designed to express grief and frustration and confusion over a national tragedy, which was the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Lamentations has become a paradigm for us to express grief and frustration and confusion in times of national tragedy. And we are there. The writer of Lamentation processes the emotions related to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. The nation of Judah has been desolated. If you go back to Jeremiah chapter 52, you can read the story of the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and the subsequent taking of Judah into captivity 
and the exportation of some of the Israeli people into bondage in a different land. The poetry of Lamentations protests the seeming absence of God's provision as the people experience the impacts of the destruction of the lack of food and water and housing, which are all in short supply. The emotion and the protests expressed in Lamentations acknowledge the confusion about what is next? What is next? It appears that the book of Lamentations was written several decades after the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And so it is a reflection, if you will, upon all that came together that brought about those days in the life of Israel. It's clear as you read through the brief five chapters that the author of Lamentation loved the people of God and was grieved by their troubles even though they were self-inflicted. The author shared the sorrows of God's covenant people. And so it is on this day. It serves for us as a paradigm for mourning one's sins and life disasters. The five poems each contain a theme, one poem per chapter. Chapter one is a poem written from the view of a woman and her grief. It is Jerusalem personified as the daughter of Zion. Chapter two speaks of the fall of Jerusalem and God's wrath. Chapter three is a more personal lament with the voice of one who is suffering. But right in the middle of chapter three, in verses 22 and 24, the author provides words of hope in the Lord. Because of the Lord's covenant faithfulness, we do not perish. His mercies never fail. They are new every morning. How great is your faithfulness, O God. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. You may remember that Pastor Brad said to us in his message on May 1 that every time there is a lament in the Psalms, there's always a word of trust in God. And here it is in Lamentations in the middle of the book, not at the end. Chapter four laments the siege of Jerusalem and chapter five is a communal prayer for God's mercy. Written as a poetic lament to express suffering due to national tragedy, we find ourselves, let me not speak for you, I find myself in a place of grief and confusion and lament on this Sunday. It was only last Sunday when I stood before you during the prayer time and spoke about the killings in Buffalo, the killing in Irvine. Why should I have to speak again on this Sunday of the murders of 19 children and two adults in Uvalde, Texas? 
And I have thought this week of all of you in this congregation who have given your lives to education. And I've wondered what in the world you all must be thinking. What are you experiencing? I remember as a child growing up here in Southern California in the 50s and 60s being taught how to hide under my desk in case of a nuclear assault. And remembering a child should not have to grow up with that, but we did. But today, it's more intimate, it's more personal. It's more deadly because it's not a threat from without, it's a reality from within. Memorial Day was created to be a time of remembrance, a time of grieving and lament for those who sacrificed their lives during military service. And we invited you to give us the names of loved ones or friends whose lives were lost. We received three, and they're in your worship folder. And we remember them, and we grieve them And we remember that there are families who have lost them. There were futures lost. Life stories rewritten. You see, friends, when a tragedy like that occurs, it is a life, it is a future, but it is also a family, and it ripples out in ways unseen and unknown. the loss of those three lives is a national tragedy. Joan's father was a medic in World War II, and his ashes are interred at Cabrillo National Cemetery, Fort Rosecrans. And we visit that site often. It's just down the road from the university. But we go there and we see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of headstones. It's a national tragedy. And so as we remember on this Memorial Day weekend, let us not remember lightly but let us remember well. Let us feel the weight and the pain and the responsibility and the grief of all of those families whose lives were shattered when an officer in uniform walked up to their door and knocked on their door and said, I'm sorry to tell you, And this past week in Evalde, Texas, we experienced a national tragedy with the killing of 19 children and two adults. In conversations with our children this week, I said to them as they expressed their grief and anger to us, their concerns, I said to them, 
it's not right to call these shootings. To call them shootings normalizes them. They need to be called what they are. They are killings and they are murderings. Because shootings sort of allows us to put it off over there somewhere. But in the last two weeks, the number of killings and murders need to be acknowledged and recognized and lamented among us and by us. There are no words I can find to express my horror, my anger, and my grief over what happened this past week. When an 11-year-old says, she covered herself with her friend's blood. To appear like she was dead so she could play dead and survive. I cannot begin to imagine what that child will experience and remember all the days of her life. Nor can I imagine how far the ripple effects of the murders of those children and teachers will reach across the community, across Texas, and across decades of time. And so this week, Michelle Espinosa posted the words from Lamentations 5.15 on her Facebook page. And I stole it, Michelle. And I reposted it. It's the text of the message today. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. And on through verse 22. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate with jackals prowling over it. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Return to our days as of old. Hear those words. Let them lay heavy upon your heart. Don't pass by this tragedy as if to say, that's over there and I'm over here. That's over there and I'm over here. Verse 22 goes on to say, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. In my study of Lamentations this week, this message was headed in a very different direction the first part of the week. And then the killings in Texas occurred. In my study of Lamentations, I noted 
that children are mentioned 16 times in Lamentations. And so in the destruction of Jerusalem, in the destruction of the temple, the author Lamentations notes that children are impacted in a national tragedy in ways unique to them as if to say these children are the responsibility of the community and what happens to them and what happens in the community and what the community does and what the community inflicts upon them matters to God. The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and the actions of the people of Judah resulted in the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar who had taken captive of the children, taken them from the city, and taken them from their families. The enemy has, has captured the future of the country. Do I need to draw a line between that thought and this week? Why does the author of Lamentations mention children so frequently? Any one of you could have written these five points. It's not new. As the most vulnerable persons in a community, children often bear the consequences of the sins of the adults around them. I was a student ministries pastor for quite a number of years early in my pastoral life, and I saw it. The consequences of the sins of the adults showed up in my classroom every week. The consequences of the adults the sins of the adults show up in this sanctuary every week in the persons of the adults whose lives were marred by the sins of adults when they were children. Second, the suffering of children is not in proportion to their complicity with the destructive events that are the source of their suffering. In other words, children suffer out of proportion to the destructive events that give rise to the suffering of children. Third, children are the least equipped to deal with the devastating consequences of the actions of the adults around them. It is intended in the kingdom of God that the adults care for the children, that the adults protect the children. And yet, human trafficking of children is rampant. Deprivation of children of their innocence is rampant 
You finish the list. The author raises the issue of children repeatedly in Lamentations to remind the adults that children frequently suffer because of adult decisions. And yes, I've said it twice now. And finally, the author raises the issue of children to keep the plight of the children before God. I'm totally aware how uncomfortable this message is. This is the quietest this sanctuary has been in a very long time. And could I just say to you, it's the right response. In the cadence of worship, in the cadence of community life in a church, there ought to be days, there should be days, there must be days in which we pause from the celebration of worship and lament and grieve. Because when we do that, we acknowledge not everything is good and not everything is great and not everything is positive. For there is evil in the world and it must be confronted. And if not confronted by the people of God from the house of God, where does it get confronted? And so it is that you and I are gathered in this place on this Memorial Day to grieve and lament the loss of those who've lost their lives in military service, the loss of those who've lost their lives to completely unnecessary military-grade weapons. who've lost their lives in part sometimes because of a lack of mental health care, who've lost their lives because in part we argue over concepts like slippery slope. I was in San Diego yesterday we had breakfast with friends and a friend of mine said, well, if you go down that path, there's a slippery slope. And I said, tell me what the obverse of the slippery slope is. You know what the obverse of the slippery slope is? It's Uvalde, Texas. And the arguments hide behind preservation of personal right at the loss of children. Today we lament these losses and all who now suffer. We bring their plight, the plight of their families and their community before God. Uvalde, Texas was destroyed last week. Like Jerusalem, it will never be the same. Their children have been murdered 
and other children and families have been taken captive by the actions of an 18-year-old whose actions have placed the entire community in a future of unimagined captivity. And so it is on this day, I encourage us not only to lament and grieve, but also to act as the people of God whom we declare we love our neighbors. Those 19 children are our neighbors. Those two teachers are our neighbors. Those families who now bear unimaginable grief are our neighbors. That community is as close as Altadena, Arcadia, Sierra Madre. When the scripture says love your neighbors, there's no geography involved. Remember chapter three of verse 22 to 24? Because of the Lord's covenant faithfulness, we do not perish, his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. How great is your faithfulness, O Lord. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will put my hope in him. Here's the most dangerous point in the sermon. And listen very, very carefully. Hope in the Lord is misplaced without appropriate action on the part of the people of God. Hope in the Lord is misplaced without appropriate action on the part of the people of God. In other words, if we go back to the book of Lamentations and we go back into the book of Jeremiah and we read about that time of captivity in which the people were moved out of the land of Israel and Israel was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed. Everything they held to be precious was destroyed and their children taken from them. The author says, we will hope in the Lord, but that only means something if the people of God are obedient to the word of God. The emotion of hope only progresses to someplace else when there is action attached to that hope. And it places a responsibility on us to be obedient to the word of God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so how do we do that? It is not enough for the church of God to say, we will pray for you, we will grieve with you. That's not enough, friends. It's important, and we must pray, and we must grieve, but it's the first step. We must also act. 
Hope in the Lord is a first step toward restoring God's blessing upon Jerusalem, but demonstrated love to God is also necessary. And love of God demands that we do more than pray. So what can we do? I don't have an exhaustive list. If you want to write me and call me, please do. I will read it and I will respond to you. But if you think this is political, I do want to talk with you. If you think it's political for a, your pastor to stand up and say, we've got to protect children, let's have a conversation. If you think it's political of me to stand up in here and say, we've got to do something about gun violence in this country, then let's you and I have a conversation. What can we do that's more than pray? Next week, next weekend is anti-gun violence weekend. I did not know that. If you want to express your alignment with the idea of supporting anti-gun violence, wear orange next weekend. I'm thinking about wearing orange next Sunday morning. Pastor Brad's preaching his Pentecost Sunday, we might as well, right? I'm against gun violence. That's a different thing than gun ownership. Okay, can we separate those two? Let's be really clear. Call your congressman or congresswoman's office and your senator's offices and talk to their staff and tell them what you'd like them to do. You'll talk to a staff person. They will treat you kindly. They will listen to you. They will say thank you. Not only do that, but ask someone else to do that. Just Google it. It'll take you all of 10 minutes. Your doing that will give someone else the impetus and the courage to do that. Make a contribution to support the suffering in Uvalde, Texas. There are GoFundMe accounts and agencies working there and through which you can make a contribution. Make your voice known on a whole variety of topics related to this. But we risk the future of the community of faith if all we say is, we'll pray for you, go with God. The secular world is growing, the communities of faith are diminishing, and they do so in large part because of these very kinds of things when we respond out of piety without action. How do I know? I have three adult children who tell me. Ask your adult children, they'll tell you. And we cannot afford to be deaf 
to that call. We do so at our own peril. We want to grow younger? Take action. For this matters in more dimensions than we can even imagine. In just a moment, we're going to read a litany, which is written as a litany for a national tragedy. And it's, it's not brief, but it's okay. We need to take some time to respond. So folks, would you put that on the screen, please? I will read leader and you will respond when it says all. Let us read. O God who gathers what has been scattered. Be present in the midst of this far-reaching pain, O Lord, for we are reeling again at the news of another loss of life that touches us all. News of flourishing diminished, of individuals harmed, of pain imposed, not only upon victims and their families who bear now the immediate brunt of it, but also upon our nation. For we are connected as a people and this hurt this grief touches us all. Engage our imagination and move our hearts to compassion, O Lord, that we would interact with those casualties, not as news stories or as statistic, but as our own sisters and brothers, flesh and blood, divine image bearers, irreplaceable individuals whose losses will leave gaping holes in homes, friendships, workplaces, churches, schools, organizations and neighborhoods. Be merciful to those now wounded. You move ever toward those in need. Your heart is always inclined toward those who suffer. Now let your mercies be active through the hands, the words, and the compassionate care of those who willingly enter this sadness to console and to serve. Be with all who move toward this need, the helpers, the counselors, the first responders, those who offer aid and protection, the pastors and intercessors, those who meet immediate practical needs, those who seek to heal physical wounds, and those who come after to carry on the long, hard work of rebuilding families and hearts, and lives, and community. Grant each of them wisdom, courage, vision, sympathy, and strength to serve effectively in their various capacities. Even in the shadow of such tragedy, let us not lose hope. Give us eyes to see the rapid movements of mercy rushing to fill these newly wounded spaces. Let us see in this the echoes of your own mercy and compassion a foretaste of your kingdom coming to earth, and move our own hearts also, equipping us to intercede, to act, and to respond however we are able. 
Move, O Holy Spirit, in the midst and in the aftermath of this tragedy, in the wake of our wounding, in the shock, in sorrow. Arrest the hearts and stay the hands of any who even now might be plotting further evil and violence against others, O Christ. You once brooded over the formless chaos of ancient waters and brought forth the order and flourishing of creation. Do so again, O Spirit of God. From the chaos of this tragedy, call forth new life and order and flourishing. Take even what our adversary might have meant for evil and from it bring forth eternal good. You alone have strength to carry this people. You alone have wisdom and power to heal the wounds of a nation. You have compassion enough to enter a widespread grief and turn it to hope. Amen. And so it is on this day, we remember Dennis Fisher, Tom Peterman, Stanley Shaw, because they were our neighbors and we love them. We remember the 21 murdered victims of Uvalde, Texas because they are neighbors and we love them. We hope in God and take action because they are our neighbors and we love them. Stand, receive this benediction. Receive the word of the Lord to hope in the Lord. And so it is as you go from this sanctuary, go in hope, but now go in hope and take action. May God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>